Blog Talk Radio. Casserly, the former GM, 
who now works with NFL Network, leading up to the draft. He spoke with 24 general managers. And, of course, you know, guys aren't going to give away their picks. But as, as Casserly says, you know, when he does these types of things, contacted GMs for teams who were not going to be in position to take Darnold or who did not need a quarterback. So really no motivation for them to smoke screen him. Um, and, it's of course, you know, he's just giving out the numbers. Of the 24 general managers Charlie Casserly spoke to, 17 of them said that Sam Darnold was the number one quarterback in this draft. So generally, widely, cumulatively, however you want to look at it, Darnold was the guy on a lot of boards, on most boards, as the top quarterback in this draft. And as a matter of fact, for those of you, for those of you unaware, there was, um, there was one thing I saw earlier today where there was, uh, there was talk about, you know, the, uh, sorry, one second. There was talk from Daniel Jeremiah, the former, former scout who now, as you know, works with NFL Network, grades and ranks every quarterback, every player really, but uh, in specifically talking about the quarterbacks, Daniel Jeremiah did a piece today saying that he, 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 looked, he went back and looked at his grades from the past three NFL drafts, and he ranked from, you know, from uh, first to last the top ten quarterbacks to come out in the last ten years, or sorry, the last three years. And I'll tell you, that, that's one of those things where even in getting Darnold, like I look at Sam Darnold, and of course, you know, these are just, they're one guy's rankings. He could be right, he could be wrong. Um, but when you look at some of the guys that have come out, when you look at the Jared Goffs, and you know, especially Carson Wentz, you know, in all honesty, he would probably probably be the guy that I would rank first. Um, just liked him a lot coming out of uh, North Dakota State. But Daniel Jeremiah had Sam Darnold, top of the class, number one out of the top ten guys taken in the last three years, ahead of Trubisky, ahead of Watson, ahead of all the guys in this year's draft. Jared Goff, he had it four. He had Rosen, of course, who was also this year. Carson Wentz was his number two, and number one, the number one quarterback. And again, what, what will this mean in the long term? It can mean listen. If Sam Darnold, you know, bombs, if Sam Darnold is yet another bust, then no one's going to give a damn where Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked. But, but if you can't enjoy, you know, like I was saying, if you're not excited about the Jets right now, if you can't enjoy yourself a little bit right now, and and you know, sit back and look at the fact that this team got the consensus number one quarterback in this draft. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I, I, I see fans. I'll tell you what. When I see, and, and I still see it, not, not as much. It's not as, as prevalent as it was before the draft when people were complaining about which quarterback the Jets might get and who might fall. But on draft night and a little bit since then, I'm seeing people who are complaining, finding, reaching, searching the depth of their soul to find something negative to say about this Sam Darnold pick. Why the Jets shouldn't have taken him. Why it was a mistake. If, if, you're, if you're sitting there right now looking for reasons to tell other Jet fans not to enjoy this pick, not to enjoy the optimism, if you're telling Jets fans, you know, cool it, cool your Jets, no pun intended, you know, but basically trying to find a way to 
to get people to not enjoy this and to not be optimistic. That's, you're the type of person that would probably walk up to a – if you saw a good Samaritan handing a homeless guy a sandwich, you'd smack it out of his hand and start ranting about carbohydrates. And, you know, tell, uh, uh, you know, vegetarian, there's meat on that sandwich. Stop being in such a good mood that you might get a decent meal. This fan base is starving for a decent quarterback. And you still have people out there telling Jets fans, stop being optimistic. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Guy hasn't taken a snap yet, and you already have people telling you not to enjoy it. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. The misery that some people live for and seek out is far beyond me. You know, I'm, I'm the last one to say don't be critical of a team, you know, when they, when they trade for a guy, draft a guy, sign a guy, whatever. Of course, you know, poke holes in these things. You know, ask questions. But Jesus, consensus number one quarterback. And I see people who call themselves Jets fans telling other Jets fans not to enjoy it. <laughs> don't, don't enjoy a little optimism in your life. Be a miserable bastard like me and sit around and complain about every single thing this team does. Seriously. I mean, don't enjoy this. I, I don't get it. So anyway, enough about, uh, enough about fans with that, uh, with that mindset. Enjoy it. You know, of course, none of it's going to matter once the game starts. Sam Darnold goes out there and in the next few years doesn't pan out. This doesn't mean anything. But, uh, you know, take a moment to enjoy it, folks. People are looking at the Jets and thinking they got, they got a damn good quarterback. So he, he, just the possibility is a nice thought, and people shouldn't be discouraged from that. But so you have Sam Darnold. We're gonna we're gonna go top to bottom now, okay? Grading this draft. Donald Donald is obvious. He's an A plus. I don't care what anybody says. I said it the night he was drafted. I've watched him some more since then. The guy's ability to throw the ball on the move, keeping his eyes down the field, is is phenomenal. And one of the reasons why I believe he's he's the top guy. You know, I talked about this leading up to the draft and saying that I would prefer Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold because Baker Mayfield makes plays on the run now, or makes throws on the run. Now, Baker Mayfield's more mobile than Darnold, but I'll tell you what, for a guy his size, Darnold moves fairly well. He's not, you know, he's not, a, he's not as athletic as Mayfield, but he can still feel pressure, he can get away, and make some ridiculous throws. I think it was Dan Orlovsky I saw in Good Morning Football on NFL Network saying, you know, kind of echoing that point and saying, pointing out Darnold's ability, the uncanny ability, one of those things you can't teach. And that's actually, I believe that's the point he made. Uh, he, said, he said, you know, if you're going to be the number one pick, you better be able to do some things I can't teach you. And that's kind of along the lines of what, what I'd said with the, his ability to, to make some of these crazy throws. And, and the, the amazing thing about Darnold is his ability to make good throws, not just on the run, but when his mechanics are a disaster. I mean, he'll be rolling one way, cock his arm, have the big wind-up, he'll have his foot pointing toward the sideline, you know, basically doing two or three things that any quarterback coach tells his quarterback not to do, and he still puts the ball on the money. And that's a, that's a unique trait. That's kind of along the lines, you know, uh, with last year's draft with Mahomes, you know, you would see him make these crazy throws. Now, he's got a much better arm than Darnold, but just the ability to, 
to move when a play breaks down and then just make these wild throws that not many guys on the planet can make. And I don't mean Mahomes just in terms of arm strength. I just mean in terms of the way his body is positioned. And this is what Darnold does. And Darnold does it consistently. And that's another reason why when I hear people talk about this O-line, this O-line that definitely has questions. You know, this offensive line is, uh, is far, from, far from elite. But they're, they're not nearly as bad as people are making them out to be. Again, this is where you get the fans that kind of almost want things to go poorly so they can say they saw it coming. Uh, I've had five or six people tell me, whether it's through Twitter or through emails, you know, this guy, he's going to get killed behind this line. It's, the, line's, the line was bad last year, but they're going to be improved this year. You know, as we've said many times on this show, just simply replacing Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson, replacing him with Spencer Long, that means that the, the center isn't going to be on his ass a second and a half after the snap. You know, Sam Darnold is going to have time to take, you know, he's not going to have somebody breathing down his neck before he finishes his second step of his drop back. No one's going to be plowing up the middle, you know, every other play, which was the case of Wesley Johnson. And, of course, Winters will be healthy, so you expect a little bit better play out of him. So the line will be better. They won't be great. They'll be middle-of-the-pack O-line. Okay, and that's good enough to, you know, to, to let a young guy get back there and, and make some plays. And, you know, when will, when will Donald play? That's, that's another conversation for another time. But, you know, nobody knows. It's a short answer. Um, but just in terms of the pick itself, it's got to be an A-plus. Good enough arm to make the throws. Big school. Won some big games with, you know, improbable comebacks against some, some really good defenses. And, again, the throws he makes on the move, just unbelievable sometimes. And uh, and you have to like that pick. You, you have to like that he's, you know, the calm, cool, collected. He doesn't seem to get the – the moment doesn't seem to get too big for him when the lights get bright. Plenty to like. So Sam Darnold, A+. Plus. And before I go any further – Let's talk about this, the whole draft grade thing, because I am definitely among those who feel that sometimes these immediate, you know, two seconds after the draft, here's our grade. I think sometimes they can be ridiculous. I think that you have to, you have to take them for what they are. Here, here's what, a, here's what a, a draft grade a day or two after the draft really is, in, in being completely honest here. It's of course you're not judging the player. The player hasn't played a snap yet. That, that's ludicrous. But what you're doing is you're looking at your team, you know, what they need. You're watching the players play, drawing your own conclusions, reading some scouting reports, whether it's NFL.com or whether it's, you know, whether you're, you're going to see what Mike Mayock is saying about someone or Matt Miller says about someone. Almost confirmation bias, I guess, is a way of putting it. You watch a guy, see what he can do. You go read his scouting report, see if you find some of those same things that you think. And then you put it down on paper and say, here's what I think. Based on what I've seen, based on what the experts are saying, the people I respect, and based on what my team needs. Now, it's, it's, you know, could, could they be better over time? Of course. But, you know, we're fans. We enjoy this stuff. 
We want to see. We want to get some opinions. And uh, nobody wants to wait two years for a, a summary of a draft because guess what? Now they're on. You're always on that year's draft. The other one that's right around the corner. So it's fun to talk about, but to, to sit around, especially what what made this challenging, having being being that I've been doing this a few years now with Jet Nation, this draft was the most challenging to 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 kind of kind of grade because they went with a lot of small school guys, and those small school guys, it's really hard to find footage of them, and especially, I mean, how much can you you can only you can only determine so much from highlight reels. There's a lot more you can't tell from a highlight reel than what you can tell. And anyone who says that they're going to watch a three-minute highlight reel and they're going to break down a player for you, it's, it's just ridiculous. So you get as much as you can from as much as you can find. Decide if it was a need. You look for other opinions from people who, you know, who have had more time and have more expertise. And you go off of that. And you don't take it too seriously. It's a little bit of fun. But I think I did find here that the uh, – the overall grade I gave here was in line with pretty much everyone I read after that. You know, nobody really off by more than, you know, uh, less than less than a full grade, really. But anyway, so moving on. Moving on to our the next player in the third round, 72nd overall. And if you've been paying attention, if you've heard the story, what a great story. Nathan Shepard, Fort Hayes State defensive lineman. Um, I actually was a little bit familiar with this guy, which was a, a bit of dumb luck, really. Because when you take a guy who's, uh, again, who plays at such a small school, I, I don't feel like he was getting a lot of pre-draft buzz. I actually stumbled across his name a month or so ago when I was doing some draft research. And I found a, I found a piece online about, you know, hidden gems underrated guys who could surprise Nathan Shepard's name came up read a little bit about him thought he sounded interesting watched what little bit I could find on him on the internet and you know like things you can tell from watching you know as I said there's a lot more you can't tell than what you can but you could tell the guy had a, a great motor and as you know as you, if you go online and find some of his stuff you'll see him ragdolling guys throwing players around doing a really nice job didn't wasn't aware initially about his age. He's you know he's 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 older for a rookie, but I think he's a guy who's going to play sooner than people expect. And let's face it, who who's this guy replacing? You know, think about it. Is you know for those of you who haven't seen, if by chance you haven't seen, the reason Nathan Shepard's a little older is because he started playing college football, got to the point where he could no longer afford college, had to leave school, get himself three jobs for a couple of years to get his financial situation straightened out, then comes back to playing football again. So he never let go of his dream to play. He's a highly motivated guy. And now he's probably going to be stepping in for Muhammad Wilkerson. And Muhammad Wilkerson, I mean, we don't need to talk about him again. We're well aware of the fact that that guy did nothing but hammer paychecks for the last couple of years and do everything in his power to, you know, stop himself from getting grass stains on his uniform the last couple of seasons. And now you're going to replace him with a guy like this, who you're probably, you're probably rarely going to see this guy, if ever, you know, take a single play off. Whereas with Muhammad Wilkerson, you kind of waited with bated breath to see, uh, you know, which play is he going to give some effort on. And uh, sometimes that play didn't always come. 
So just the fact that you're replacing Muhammad Wilkerson with somebody who's going to give some effort is an improvement over last year's D-line. And the fact that he's got some fantastic measurables just tells you he's going to be that much bigger of an upgrade over Muhammad Wilkerson. So, yes, to upgrade over a guy who's not trying isn't saying much, but uh, it looks on film that sh- looks like on film that Shepard's a guy who's going to be a significant upgrade over what they had last year. So by adding him, the Jets get better on the D-line. Some people, myself included, thought the Jets might go O-line in that spot. A little bit of, you know, a little disappointment that that wasn't addressed in this draft at all. That's been the number one criticism of Mike McCagnum, and rightfully so, coming out of this draft, that there were no, no O-linemen taken and no pass rushers taken. Me, personally, I have a bigger issue, bigger issue with no pass rusher than I do with no O-linemen. So the grade for Nathan Shepard as a pick on its own, we give that one a B-. minus. Fill the need, hard-working guy. Sounds, you know, from what we can find on him, sounds like a, a high-character guy, something that locker room is trying to stock up on. So you have to like that pick. And with the next pick, number four, or uh, fourth round, number 107 overall, this is probably, and not not because of the player. I like the player. Um, but because, as I said, because they didn't take a, a pass rusher, when I'm watching the draft live, at this point, I am beside myself. I can't believe that Josh Sweat from FSU has fallen this far. And I'm thinking, man, if this guy falls in the Jets' lap, he could be the answer. He doesn't, you know, they don't even need a guy to be a 15-sack-a-year guy. Just get somebody who can get you eight, nine sacks and apply consistent pressure. Uh, Josh Sweat may or may not end up being that guy, but by all accounts, that is the expectation of him at this point. So you had him sitting there in the fourth round. Um, and there were some other names out there. I'm using Josh Wedded as an example because he was the guy I preferred in that spot. Um, a little later in the draft, maybe some other names when Sweat was gone. But they don't take Josh Sweat, so I don't love that. But they grab a tight end, Chris Herndon out of Miami. He's coming off an MCL, got injured in the final game of the year last year. But here's what I like about Chris Herndon. And here's what I've, I've been saying this for years now. I've been saying it on this show. I've been saying it on the forums on Jet Nation. I've said it in articles. I've said it in my mock drafts it's you know everyone's everyone's got their own preference what you know what prototype what type of player they like and what type of spot but I've been saying for years now can you please get a guy who can block catch it's it shouldn't be as hard as the Jets have made it really just get a guy who doesn't have to come off the field when it's a passing play because he's got bad hands or a guy who has to come off the field when it's a run play because he can't block. So frustrating to sit there and watch the team have to do these things that not necessarily give give away a play, but 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 it's a tell. You're tipping your hand a little. When the opposing defense can look and say, "Okay, the one tight end they have who can who can block a little bit just came off the field." a pretty good chance you're not running the ball there. And teams notice this stuff. Now in Herndon, he's not you know, he's not a he's not a mauler. He's not, you know, at least from the, the couple games I've watched, he's not throwing people all around. But he's he's a willing blocker 
who can move. You know, some guys he he, he can he can gain some ground on. He can he can win that battle. Seen a couple plays where he really gets his hands on a guy, drives into him, and you know, and creates some space for the ball carrier. That's something you didn't get from Austin Safarian Jenkins. It's something you're not going to get from Sterling. You are not getting that from Jordan Leggett, whose future may be a little bit uh, up in the air at this point. Now, you're going to get that from Eric Tomlinson, for sure. And even though Eric Tomlinson's a guy who did a fantastic job of catching the ball when, it was, when he was given the opportunities, he's, he's still not that athletic sort of receiving tight end. He's, he, he's a nice guy to have, don't get me wrong. I saw people saying that, that you know, this, this is it for Tomlinson now. We drafted a tight end. I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd cut, I might cut any of the other tight ends before I'd cut him. Um, and, again, that's just my preference. Give me, give me a guy who can do a little bit of everything versus a guy. Now, you know, if, if you're talking about a guy like, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham, yes, of course, give me the guy who's going to score 10 touchdowns, you know, even if he doesn't block. But if I have it my way, Give me that tight end who can do a little bit of both. That's what Herndon can do. That's what that's what I do like about the pick. Again, not I'm not saying I don't like the player. I just didn't like the fact that it wasn't a, a linebacker or a, an edge edge linebacker on that spot. I give the pick overall a C. Maybe holding the 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 fact he's not a pass rusher against them a little bit too much. Maybe he could be a C plus. But again, he had some injuries. Um, and, again, he's a good blocker, not great. So I feel like C is a fair grade there. But when you see the way he moves with the ball in his hands, if they, uh, if they bring him along the right way, he might, he might be a pretty good, you know, pretty good player in this spot. And I think it was uh, Mike Mayock who said during the draft, you know, this is one of his favorite guys left on the board, that he thought this was a really good player. So the general consensus is that he's a, you know, a good pick in that spot, good value. And the Jets hope that he's the guy who, you know, who comes along and finally gives them some stability at that position because that's another spot, you know, when we talk about the Jets' needs over the past few years. Tight end is right up there. It's, you know, a, you know not since Dustin Keller. And even Keller wasn't around very long, and he wasn't a very good blocker. Um, again, he was another guy who was probably a little better than fans said he was. But I think the Herndon, you know, has the potential to be a better blocker but also a receiving threat. And, I, you know, I've said many times since since bringing in Terrell Pryor, you know, having Robbie Anderson, get a tight end in the middle of that damn field because they're going to have some room to operate. So if this kid can stay healthy, he's going to have a lot of room to work with underneath. And uh, what what young quarterback doesn't like a, a nice outlet receiver, a nice tight end over the middle or in the flat, wherever you move him, just someone to check down to who, uh, who's got good hands. He's, he's one of those guys. So let's see. Chris Herndon out of Miami, 107th pick overall, and hopefully offers a boost to this offense. Then it's back to defense in the sixth round. The Jets traded back from their pick in the fifth round. I want to say they traded back to 167 with the Vikings and then traded down again with the Vikings and gave them that pick back. So the Vikings clearly had someone in that range that they really liked, having done their homework. They traded out of that spot, and then they wanted to get back into that spot. The Jets did it in order to move up and get another sixth-rounder. So the Jets ended up with three sixth-round picks. The first of those six at the, uh, at the 179th pick 
they again, they address another need with a small school guy. Harry Nickerson out of Tulane, corner, slot guy. The Jets say he'll play a little bit on the outside, but I think I think we can see that the, the primary objective here is to get him get him spun up on on playing the nickel spot and taking over for Buster Screen next year. Some people speculated that this could be the end of the line for Buster Screen. I think that I think Screen still sticks. Um, would I be shocked if he's? I think the only way Buster Screen goes is if. Uh, Perry Nickerson comes in and it's just gangbusters. If he's just so good that they say, look, there's no reason to hold this guy back, we can afford to let Buster go. Um, do I see that happening? With a kid from Tulane, this, you know, a late-round pick, I mean, not impossible. And he's another one. I talked earlier about value, you know, when you grade these drafts and talk about, you know, did you get good value with this pick? Uh, pro Football Focus, for those of you who follow them, they had him as a top 50 player. Um, which is, that's pretty, that's impressive. I mean, uber productive guy in college. I believe he held opposing quarterbacks when targeted. He held them to a 41% rating, or a, a sorry, quarter, not, uh, a quarterback rating of 41. He ran a 4-3-2, had 16 interceptions in his time in college. Well, that's productive. That, that's some serious ball skills. And I, I don't have the number in front of me. He had a ton of pass breakups as well. So, Slot skills, blazing speed, four three two, and can obviously break on the ball, and has good enough hands to have come away with sixteen interceptions. Highly regarded player. I think of all the players, if, um, unless I'm misreading it, when the draft is all wrapped up and said and done, between not just analysts or not not just fans, but analysts, um, when when you were reading some of the some of the grades that people had on these guys. I think Nickerson represented the best value, um, or at least he was he was up there. He was top two in terms of the value that the Jets got from him. Also, you know, exciting kick returner. Had some success doing that in college, and that's a need for the Jets. So that only, that only enhances his chance to make this roster. I mean, I think with his skill set and the Jets' lack of a true slot corner, I think he's, he makes this team anyway. But, uh, again, another another good value guy. And that brings us to the sixth-round pick, 180 overall. And this is another one where um, a lot of analysts, and, again, not, not a ton of film on him out there, um, Foley Fadakasi out of UConn. Again, another small school and another guy who – the the uh, the general consensus with him seems to be another good value pick. As a matter of fact, I think I think the NFL.com breakdowns said uh, you know two two picks in the sixth round, uh, at least of the first two, and uh, two great value picks. I think I heard that uh, Fadukasi was rated anywhere from the the fourth to fifth round. He fell a little bit and uh, ended up in the sixth, and I believe. I'll try to get the name. One of the uh, another one of the many. I mean, this is the problem. There are so many draft analysts now. There are. I mean, everybody. Everybody is a draft analyst. Everybody's got a Twitter account. Everybody's sending out all these takes. But there are a few guys who are a little bit better known than others. And uh, I saw one earlier in reading up on some of the prospects who said that 
this is a guy who was a, a top 100 player who the Jets got. And it was actually, I'm trying to think now, it was, it was Dane Brugler that was in. I'm just looking it up. Dane Brugler said that uh, said he had Faru Kasi as a top 100 player. Take that for what you will. Dane Brugler, uh, you know, he's, no, one, no one's going to him like they do the McShays and the Mayocks of the world. But another versatile guy. That's something, you know, I didn't mention that earlier with Shepard. Shepard, versatility. Could play a little bit in a 3-4 or a 4-3, which is key for the Jets because the base 3-4 is a little bit overblown because teams go with so many four-man fronts. Even if you're a 3-4 base, we see so many teams with going nickel and dime and having to go with those four D linemen that you're, you're using those four-man fronts more more frequently than you're using your base defense if you're in a three if you're a three-four team. So Fadukasi comes in, he joins Shepard. They're going to join Leo McClendon, Coleman, these guys up front. Um, I was surprised the Jets went with two D linemen to be honest, but you kind of look at that and say, okay, well, now the D-line's rebuilt. Like, you've kind of got what you needed. Um, so there's another unit that's solidified, at least you hope. And for me, this, you know, one thing that I didn't like about this pick, uh, the player who I did talk about a bit on this show, who I did have going to the Jets in some of my in, uh, my mock draft, um, he went with the very next pick, and uh, Kylie Fitz out of Utah, edge rusher, who the Chicago, the Chicago Bears snapped up with, I believe, uh, pick 181 right after the Fadukasi pick. So in that spot, much like I was hoping for Josh Sweat in round four, I was hoping for Kylie Fitz with one of those six-rounders. It didn't happen, and he literally goes one pick after the Jets. So in time, we'll see if that was the right move to pass on him. Time will tell. That left the Jets with a couple more picks. They did trade their seventh-rounder. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But they did go with their 204th pick overall. And this one this one came as a bit of a surprise to me. This I didn't expect, uh, not this late. This, this is a deep running back class, and I did say that, they, you know, there was a chance the Jets would take one at some point. I think I think the, the Rawls thing, you know, I know they signed Rawls. They added Crowell. Um, I don't think all – I mean, Crowell is a lock, but uh, – People are talking about Rawls like he's a lock to make this roster. Um, I don't see that. I, I think he's a he may very well end up being a camp body because, let's face it, the guy averaged 2.3 yards to carry last season. He runs like beast mode, and uh, it looks like it did not take very long for him to get beat up. Um, so that's one of those situations where, hang on just one second. That's one of those situations where uh, it didn't go as planned, or it, it may not go as planned in having him in there. But give me just one second. We are going to go to the phones. We've got a couple callers here, and uh, I believe this one may be our friend Christian Dyer. Christian, as many of you know, uh, does write for Metro. He's been joining us on the show regularly. And uh, Christian's going to be a regular contributor with us now. Uh, we, we, though we'd name his segment, you got to give. If someone's going to be joining you on a consistent basis, he should absolutely have his own segment. So uh, for Christian, we're going to go. We're going to go with dire needs. Little play on words. Christian's take on what this team needs to do. And for those of you who are on hold, 
We greatly appreciate it. We'll get to you guys in just a minute. But uh, first, let's go to Christian. Christian Dyer, some dire needs. I'm talking draft. I appreciate you joining us. I know you don't have a great deal of time. So uh, feel free to fire away with, uh, with a few needs that you think this team has right now, Christian. With the draft being over, what do they need to do? Well, I'm glad we went with dire needs and some other things we could do with my last name. So, you know, there, 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 are, there are little <laughs> blessings here. Especially with, with a couple of hot takes, especially with a couple of hot takes, you could definitely go in some other re- uh, areas that uh, may not be quite as pleasant with my last name. <laughs> so, what, what do you got, Christian? What are some dire needs for this roster right now? Well, you know, I thought it was a, it was a really good, solid. Um, draft by the Jets, not overwhelmingly so on day three. I think that's kind of been the criticism, but you look at what the the Jets accomplished day one and, uh, you know, this isn't a need necessarily, but you, you look at that trade now and the fact that the Jets were able to give up as little as they did to move up and be in a position to get Sam Darnold and the way everything played out. Uh, you know, if you had told a lot of Jets fans six weeks ago that they would be selecting Sam Darnold with the number three overall pick and all they did was swap first rounders and give up second rounders for the next two years, I mean, that's an absolute steal. And, and I think right now one of the big needs that's going to emerge uh, this off season, uh, you know, certainly with undrafted free agents and, and, and one of the players I like that they got as an undrafted free agent maybe helps with this, but uh, the offensive line I still think needs a certain level of depth, uh, needs some younger bodies coming in. Now, this wasn't a great draft for the offensive line, so I was pleased to see that Mike McCagnin didn't necessarily reach, but when you look at the fact that they took a bit of a project in the third round, uh, the kid out of uh, Fort Hayes State, to me, there could have been some offensive linemen there who could have been groomed, who could have been developed, who could have been, uh, you know, Matt Slauson type, Brian Winters types, uh, interior linemen who play with a nasty streak, who maybe aren't going to necessarily be Pro Bowl or All Pro type candidates, but who could be a very good offensive lineman for the Jets. So I think they go into this offseason, the second half of the offseason, still looking maybe to find some more depth, some young depth uh, there. I really like the the, uh, the kid that they got out of Canada, Dakota Shepley. Uh, he reminds me a bit of Brian Winters in terms of build, a little bit leaner. He's got long arms. Uh, he's raw. The Jets signed him to a three-year uh, rookie deal, which tells you a little bit of something, what they think they have in him. And this has been a team that historically has done pretty well with some undrafted uh, free agent offensive linemen over the past five, six years. So uh, he's going to be someone that I think needs to step up for the Jets. He's a name to watch uh, in rookie mini camp. Uh, he's a physical player. He has a little bit of a nasty streak. He needs to round out, but give him a year or two of development. He might help one of those needs for the Jets. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great point. I'm, and I mentioned it earlier. I know it's been brought up by a, a lot of analysts, a lot of fans. People were surprised to see the Jets pass on an O-lineman. I said earlier, um, I like the tight end out of Miami, but I really thought in that spot it would have been O-line or edge. I personally was, was keeping an eye on Josh Sweat out of FSU. I thought he might be the guy there. Um, or an O-lineman. Kappa went earlier. I was hoping he'd be on the board. He was gone. So I think that's that's the general consensus is that the O-line, they could have done better addressing that there. Uh, what else you got, Christian? What are some, what are some of their other dire needs? 
Well, I, you know, I think right now it's going to be very much of a holding pattern for this Jets team. You look at what Mike McCagney did, you know, I, I think that certainly some depth issues at safety and cornerback exist, but uh, this is a team that's still very much going to be in a rebuild in 2018. I don't think that there's going to be a drastic turnaround on the table. It will be a better team. I think this was a team that played above its punching weight just a little bit uh, for much of last year, especially when they had the quarterback situation was a bit more resolved than it was in the second half of the year. But uh, this is a team that may not see a dramatic spike in terms of wins where we may not be talking eight or nine wins with this Jets team in 2018. We might see five or six wins and another pick kind of in that top 10 sort of range to ca- to cap off um, the, the rebuild. But going into 2019 with 90 to $100 million potentially in salary cap space, uh, the, the needs can kind of be addressed there. So I think there's got to be a need for patience for Jets fans in 2018 to realize this is all about setting up for the next year. This was a two-year process with the rebuild. The Jets had to get younger. They did get younger. I think the past three drafts have given them the high-end talent maybe that they were lacking and a little bit of depth here too. So there's got to be a need for patience. I think there also has to be the need to develop. Uh, Sam Darnold is coming into this situation. I think uh, a lot of fans are kind of anointing him, uh, and I termed it the Samchise yesterday, a little bit of a spinoff on the Sanchise. Uh, but a lot of fans are expecting him yes, to be I the saw that. starter. Yeah, it was, it was a horrible pun, and uh, I'm, I have the worst puns out well, there. Funny, but... to, to be fair, I actually saw that a couple – I don't know if people stole it from you. But I did see that pop up on my timeline a couple times. I think people jumped, a couple people jumped on that. I don't know if it was because of the USC connection and Sanchez, but uh, he, he, yeah, pe- people want him to be the guy. People, some people want him to start week one. Um, I, I think, I think Todd Bowles, unless unless Darnold is just blows everybody away, I think we're going to see a veteran starter. But uh, I think at some point this season, you got to see the guy third overall pick, and you're not going to the Super Bowl, so. He's got to get some rest at some point, right? Yeah, I, and I and I think it's very important for him to get some meaningful reps, but I also think it's important for him to sit. When you look at the last two quarterbacks that the Jets drafted, I'm really not considering Christian Hackenberg because we saw him throw, what, 15, 20 passes in his NFL career to date. But the other two quarterbacks who kind of stepped into real quarterback competitions, uh, Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez, both of them could have benefited uh, not just emotionally, mentally, and physically, but I think perhaps just from an expectation point of view, coming into New York, and both of them were from prominent college, uh, college programs, Sanchez with USC, and Geno Smith having played a lot of big games and bowl games at West Virginia. Uh, I think still there's a huge acclamation to New York, the media market here. Uh, you know, I can certainly vouch for that. And I think just the fact that the amount of pressure that that you come in as a quarterback, really just being able to sit, even if it's just a few games, uh, really takes a lot of the pressure off uh, of a Darnold uh, to be able to step into this role. Now, will he be the starter maybe come week six, week, week eight? Uh, absolutely. He's got that kind of potential, and he probably is the most talented quarterback in the Jets' locker room. Uh, assuming that maybe Ted, Teddy Bridgewater's not 100%. So uh, th- there's got to be a need to let this guy develop, even if he looks the part and is better than Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater uh, right now. He needs time. He, he needs to understand this offense. He needs to have a firm grasp of it. He needs to be able to go in and command 
the huddle. And this is a Jets team that's very different than the Jets team in 2009 with Mark Sanchez, which was a veteran-laden group, had an incredible offensive line, had a couple playmakers at offense the next year. They brought on board Santonio Holmes, who was uh, in his prime and an exciting, game-changing wide receiver. Uh, This team isn't quite there. It's a younger group. It's a group that's still, I think, fundamentally coming together. It's a group that we all agree is at least a year or two away from being able to compete for a playoff spot. So I think it would be good for, for Darnold to be able to sit back, absorb some of those things for the first half of the season because he's not stepping into the, the same situation that Sanchez was. And I think that's been lost a little bit in all this talk and excitement uh, about the number three overall pick. This guy still needs time to develop and grow. You put him out there too early, you know, you don't necessarily have the playmakers at wide receiver or the veteran presence along the offensive line. It could be discouraging. It could also hurt his development. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But as I said at the top of the show, Christian, if, you know, obviously we have no idea where this young man's career is going to take him, if he's going to be a boom or a bust. But if you can't be excited about it right now and at least enjoy a little bit of optimism, I think there's something wrong with you. I think most fans are on board, but I see the odd person tweeting me or messaging me saying, you know, they still need this, they still need that. I get it. This isn't a perfect team. But for crying out loud, you just got a guy who may very well be the best quarterback in this draft. I said earlier, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah said he gave him the highest grade of any quarterback in the last three years. Enjoy it for a few minutes, Jet fans, because it may, it may come to an <laughs> abrupt end. But enjoy the fact that you've got a guy who – who is viewed universally as a, as a top franchise quarterback moving forward. Yeah, I, and, and I couldn't agree more. But look at the blueprint of the last time the Jets had a sustained run of success, which was, I'm going to say that 2008, 2009, 2010 season, 2008 when they were 9-7, and mm-hmm. seven, uh, you know, just missed out on the playoffs. So that was a team that I think had a lot of people excited and started thinking about that Parcells team that went to the AFC Championship game. It felt like that, mm-hmm. that team. And then, and then the next two years actually making it to the AFC Championship game, thought there in 2010 that they were going to do it in Pittsburgh in that second half. How were those mm-hmm. teams built? What were the drafts before? They, they got a Darrell Revis, a Nick Mangle, a Brickershaw Ferguson, a David Harris, and then they supplemented those years, uh, 2008 in particular, with the offensive line, getting uh, an Alan Fanica. I think they got uh, either Damian mm-hmm. Woody or Brandon Moore uh, as free agents a couple of those years uh, during that stretch. And yeah, then Moore, Moore was already on board, and they went out and signed yeah. Damian Woody, yep. Exactly. So, and then the next yeah, couple well, of years, you're right. making, That's the, making thing. the trade M- for M- Antonio Holmes. Yeah, f- Go far on. different roster, yeah. far different situation than Sanchez entered, as you said earlier. Yeah, but you no, know, those teams were built on the draft and then supplemented with free agency. Cromartie coming on board in 2010, some of the other pieces they were they've been able to bring in over those couple of years, and you see a similar philosophy playing out now with Leonard Williams. You got May, you got Adams, you got Darnold now. Some of the draft picks really starting to step up. Uh, even some of the draft picks going back uh, to to the Idzik era. You know, you're looking at a player like uh, a Brian Winters, who I think you can make the argument he's a top half guard in this NF in the NFL in terms of his his talent, his capabilities, the way he plays. Some of the young talent on here, I'm not saying it's at the, the level of a Mangold or a Revis, uh, but it certainly is coming into play where the core of this team has been drafted by the Jets. 
They're young. They're ready. They're enthusiastic. They certainly played better than a lot of people anticipated last year. I mean, this was a team that was 4-12, and 12, but very easily. It wouldn't have surprised anybody if they actually had six or seven wins uh, based off of how well they played in some of those. Could say they were closer to being a 500 team uh, than, you know, some, than where they actually ended up picking in the draft. So it's not a team that's far away. I, I think it's a team that with a couple – free agent signings next year is going to be very, very close to getting over that hump and back into the playoffs. And just the simple fact that there seems to be a plan in place with John Idzik, the plan seemed to be a money ball saber metrics. We're going to underspend and overperform. I think Mike McCagnan deserves an awful lot of credit. He came in three years ago, spent a lot of money almost recklessly and some people warned against it. I think uh, Brian Costello from the New York Post wrote that very early on, and I remember almost sneering at it a little bit, and it was right. He, 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 you know, the spending from that year put the Jets in the hole in 2016. Well, now you see some balance. Now you see them getting primed. You can see that in 2019, they're going to make a run at this thing. They're going to bring in guys who complement the Williams and the Mays and the Adams and the Darnolds and the Brian Winters and the other pieces that they have. All great points, Christian. I don't think anybody in their right mind would disagree. They're definitely, again, as you said, they've built a nice young base. It's an base exciting here. time. Uh, you know, it's an exciting time it, to it, be absolutely. a Jets fan. If you, if you can't enjoy this right now, there's something wrong with you. Um, and we enjoy you joining us, Christian, on a regular basis now. We really appreciate it. Uh, I know you're short on time tonight, so we will let you go. We have some more folks uh, calling in later. So for those of you who enjoyed Christian, uh, hang in there. We're going to have some more folks for you. But thanks, Christian, and go ahead and uh, go ahead and give yourself a plug there for our listeners. Well, I, I, I'm in I'm in dire need of a plug and some Twitter followers. My, you know, you can you can read my stuff <laughs> at Metro New York. I gave you a little bit of a hint of it. Tomorrow's column is this isn't the same old Jets. So I think uh, you look at the direction of the draft and everything else. It'll be fun. I hope people check it out, share it, click on it, uh, go to a public library and, and click on it from all the different computers. All right, Christian, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. All right, so staying at the phones, and I do apologize. We have some people waiting. Um, for some reason, I wasn't getting the, uh, the pings to let me know that we had this many people waiting. We have a few, so we're going to go to the phones, and uh, we, will, uh, we should have Dennis joining us here in a little bit as well. So going right back to the phones, Caller calling in from uh, area code 201. You're on the air. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? It's Alex. How are you? Alex, how you doing, buddy? Uh, long time no talk. Hope all's well with you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. But I'm, I'm going to guess that you're, you're, you're on board and you're excited about what's happening right now, correct? Absolutely. Uh, tides are turning, and I'm really happy that, you know, the Jets got their guy. And, you know, right now it's time to uh, start being a little bit more positive, and there's nothing wrong with that, like you said earlier. And I'm um, just uh, looking forward to building a team around Sam Darnold and, you know, really changing the uh, narrative with this team. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, already you already see it, and it's amazing. You know, again, I get that nothing's happened on the field yet. We realize that. But you're already seeing media types. You know, and I'm not, you know, some people, look at a guy like Colin Cowherd 
And I, these people say outlandish, crazy, stupid stuff all the time. I get it. They got to get clicks and listeners and followers and all that stuff. I, I understand that. Colin Cowherd is not a guy that I go to when I want information because he does say some outlandish stuff. But in talking about the Jets the other day, you know, he made a really good point. He said, uh, he said a lot of great teams, you know, they're, they they come to be because somebody else made a mistake, you know whether it's the Portland Trailblazers passing on Michael Jordan or the Cleveland Browns passing on Carson Wentz, and now this time around the Cleveland Browns and Giants passing on Sam Darnold. He falls into the Jets' laps at three. Um, and, you know, there's no reason to expect that he won't be, at the very least, a, a good starting quarterback for the next 10 years um, with a ceiling of being an elite quarterback for 10, 12 years. So it's, it's absolutely an exciting time, but what's, what's your, what's your thought? What's your overall grade for this draft outside of Sam Darnold? Tell me who your favorite pick is and, uh, and why, who do you got? Okay. Um, outside Sam Darnold, I'd have to say, Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, let's go with Nate Shepard. Uh, this was somebody that I was reading about and I heard some, some rumors that they had worked them out. And uh, I don't know what podcast I was listening to because I was listening to all the NFL draft podcasts coming up to the 26th. And somebody had said that I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like this ends up, you know, in New York in the mid rounds, because it just seems like with the Sheldon Richardson being gone and Wilkerson, you know, this would be a good, you know, plug and play player, maybe not week one, but, you know, as he begins to develop and learn the system, and Casey Rogers' scheme, you know, this would be a really, really solid move for the Jets. And lo and behold, uh, you know, he was right there at the three spot. And uh, the guy is built like a house. So, you know, hopefully he's, uh, you know, not built like Tarzan and plays like Jane. Um, you know, from everything that you hear, the story's great. Um, he definitely has the drive and the characteristics to want to be a professional. And this guy's chasing his dream right now. So, you know, I'm definitely excited to hopefully see his success. Yeah, I I think that there are a lot of people. You know, a lot of times the uh, the the personal, the human interest side of it kind of tugs on people's heartstrings. You hear about a guy, as I said earlier, had to leave college because he couldn't afford it. Got a couple jobs. Clearly has a great work ethic. Also didn't give up on his dream of playing football, and now he's in the NFL. So looks like a very good player. Definitely has a great backstory. A lot of people are excited about this guy, and, you know, from, from what I've seen, there's good reason for it. I think Todd Bowles said that he's going to play. Uh, he expects him to be able to play right away, whereas the, you know, the, the masses kind of said, well, he's an older guy and he's raw. He's going to need a couple years. Todd Bowles seems to disagree, and we'll find out in time. But um, thank you so much for calling in, Alex. Uh, please call in again soon. Don't, uh, let's not have such a long layoff. Always enjoy your calls. And uh, anything else you want to you want to say before we let you go? Uh, no, nothing. I'll, I'll I'll end on a good note. And uh, you know, everybody, let's just sit back and enjoy this for a little bit, like Len said, and uh, stay away from the naysayers because uh, you know there's just nothing nothing to go down that alley with right now at this point in time. And uh, let's be positive. Absolutely, Alex. Yeah, the football team this year. Absolutely, nobody needs that negativity, right? So thanks again for calling in. Look forward to hearing from you soon, Alex. Take care. Be well. All right, that was Alex, one of our uh, 
one of our regulars. We haven't heard from him in a long time. Always good to uh, to hear back from him. And back to the phones again. We have another caller calling in. Uh, area code four zero seven. Don't have a screener tonight. You're call- you're on the air. Who am I talking to? Glenn, it's Rich. Rich, how we doing, buddy? I know, as I said with Alex, I know how he can be. You've uh, you much like myself. You've got to be feeling pretty damn good about this draft the Jets just had. J E T S Jets Jets Jets, bro. <laughs> Dude, uh, I, 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 you know, I think I called right before the right before the draft, and I kept on saying is all these players just keep dropping on McCann's lap. They just drop, drop, drop. Leonard Williams, Adams, these just players just uh, Lee, these players just drop on our laps or whatever. The trade, what can I say? I, I, I was up for it. I think he jumped. I think he just jumped everybody and say, look, these guys are gonna jump me. I'm gonna, you know, grab the ball by the horns. He did what he did. It, it it just, dude. I mean, seriously, come on. You got the just like you said. He's the top rated quarterback in this draft class. And what can I say? He dropped in our laps, and we got him. And I think the, you know, the Giants are going to kick themselves, and they got you know Saquon Barkley, a good player. I'm not going to deny that or whatever. But you know, uh, we got the quarterback. They they have an aging quarterback. They decided to go running back, but that's okay, fine by me. But. uh the, the the pick in the third round was a, a great pick. I think he's a worker. I think he's a blue collar guy that's not afraid to you know put put his uh, his head down and, and go get it. I think he's hungry and he's going to bring that to the field. Uh, the tight end, like you mentioned earlier, I like him because he's a blocker and he can catch. Uh, barring himself, that's my only concern on our stuff. A little disappointed about the O line, just like you also mentioned, it wasn't a deep O line class, so. You know, I'm I'm okay with it. Most of the guys are already gone. Uh, the uh, four or five guys, or maybe ten guys, are not even that. I don't think there were even ten guys that were even worth it. So um, overall, I'm very happy. The old, I think the D line needed to be beefed up a little bit because um, we we lost uh, Richardson and we lost Mo. Uh, uh, but uh, the guys that we're bringing in or whatever, hey, they're gonna go get it and prove it. I'm excited. Again, I think, it, I, you know, uh, Christian Dyer hit it. You know, he's going to be patient on, on our fans, you know, uh, be nice to make the playoffs next year. But, you know, uh, as long as I see improvement, the coaching staff, step in, uh, coaching staff continuing to develop these guys and put them in situations where they can play. And I think it's awesome. Uh, nothing that I would say about Sam Donald. I think he, he the, the longer he sits, the better off it's going to be for us. I'm hoping that Teddy, you know, does does well this year. I would like to see Donald maybe after the week 11 bye and then just finish out the season and see how he does. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I think, I Hello? think yeah. you know, how early we see Donald is, is just going to depend on how well this team is playing. If they're, you know, if, if there's a remote possibility that they're, you know, if they're, if they're playing well enough that they can realistically say they have a shot at the playoffs, I think though I think Todd Bowles is going to go with the veteran for as long as he can, um, whether it's Bridgewater or whether it's McCown. But you know, a lot of it's going to going to hinge on how well Sam Darnold plays. You know, plays in practice and and what you know. One point I wanted to make, and actually I sent this out earlier. If you uh, I, I'm on Twitter, Ace Fan Twenty Three, A C E Fan Twenty Three. Um, I don't have it handy, but there was an article in Sports Illustrated, 
and and it was it was it was sort of it was refreshing to read because it's something I've I've personally been saying for years is that there is no you know silver bullet there is no there is no one way did, did things work out for a quarterback there are countless examples of guys who have sat and learned and they still played terribly there are guys who were thrown in the fire and they played terribly and then the flip side of that there are guys who sat and learned and played great and guys who sat and learned, or, or guys who didn't get to sit and played great. I think the best example is Carson Wentz. Because Carson Wentz, not only did he play right away, he was a small school guy. He's coming out of D2. He comes into a situation where the Eagles' plan is to sit him behind Sam Darnold. And then they end up trading Darnold, what, a week and a half, two weeks before the season starts. All of a sudden, Carson Wentz goes from D2 guy who's going to get a year to learn to, oh, by the way, you're starting in two weeks. And Wentz has been fantastic from the get-go. So we do see examples of guys who play sooner than they're quote-unquote supposed to, and they light it up, but then you get guys who sit and wait, and they don't play well when they get their shot. You get the Geno Smiths of the world who get put in right away, don't play well. Aaron Rodgers waits. He plays well. So there is no – for selfish reasons, yes, Jets fans are going to want to see Sam Darnold snap one week one. And if that happens, I don't think anybody's going to complain. But I don't think it's—I don't think you can say they have to do it one way or the other. They have to do what they believe is right. But uh, I do want to thank you for calling in, Rich. We've got—we've uh, got Dennis on the line from the AP, Dennis Wazak from the Associated Press. He's going to join us to talk a little bit of draft. Uh, anything you wanted to? Any point you wanted to make, real quick, Rich, before I let you go? Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to to uh, Joe Joe Blewett uh, for put, posting the, the videos out there on San Darnold and, and what he's doing on the side there. I, I I again, both of you guys are doing a great job. I know he's not at the radio anymore, but hey, I appreciate it. And uh, hey, I'm excited. So again, you you, you hit it right on the head. I I don't know how we can't these Jets fans just can't ever be ever satisfied. But hey, I'm enjoying it and I'm looking forward to the season. All right, take care, Rich, and I would echo that sentiment. For those of you who do follow Joe on Twitter, check out what he's been doing uh, at JoeRB. If you're not following Joe, you should be. Some more great film breakdowns. Uh, He's got some Darnold stuff up there right now. But uh, at the moment, we're going to go to Dennis Wazak from the Associated Press. He covers the New York Jets and has been for a few years. And um, as we said, lots going on at the moment. So, Dennis, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? Uh, doing really well, doing really well. I think for the for the most part, I think most Jets fans are right now. I did say at the top, I'm I'm astonished by the fact that even though it is a small minority, the number of fans that are saying, uh, you know, that they're, they're trying to trying to rain on the parade and it should have been Rosen and stop being like excited him, about Darnold and. Did you like it? Maybe did you like it? Okay. Man. Oh, I think you're gonna get ready to take a bath, <laughs> bath, okay? Yep, hello. I think we've lost Dennis. Nope, I'm here. Hello? Gotcha. Okay, sorry. Something, uh, someone, <laughs> another no call problem. was stepping on us there. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what was going on. I think our last caller, it didn't, uh, it didn't drop. It took a second. So sorry about that. So, yeah, as I said at the top, Jets fans should be excited. Some fans a little bit upset that, uh, at the Darnold pick, I can't imagine why. But what are your thoughts on Darnold? What are your thoughts on uh, 
the, the basically the, the Jets' overall approach because there has been some criticism, and rightfully so in my opinion, that they didn't address the edge and they didn't address the O line at all. Um, overall approach and uh, and any any thoughts on the rest of the class? I, I think number one, they address the biggest need. You know, I mean, I, well, you, you've been around a long time. You followed this team a long time. And the fans who have lived and died and bled with this team, they just want a quarterback that can carry this franchise, a, a legit quarterback who could be here for years to come and be a guy who could maybe end that Super Bowl drought, you know. And I think going into last year, the thought was, oh, man, you know, if if the Jets could just get Sam well, the way things played out, I mean, who would have imagined that the Jets picking at three after the trade-up would have had Darnold fall into their laps? You know, and, and I think that's the thing you've got to focus on. That's the positive that the guy that you've that most fans and and analysts have said like that what was the guy, the the quarterback in that draft going into it, and the Jets have him. So. Um, as far as the other things that they didn't address, I think that, you know, there's always going to be some, some things that for every team you come out of the draft and you say, okay, we still need this or that. But think about this. You've got a quarterback now who you hope could be successful for the next 10 years, you know, a guy who can lead this franchise. And, and, and I like the fact uh, that, He's even keeled. You know, he's a cool-headed kid. He's a Southern California kid who's played in a major media market. Uh, because let's face it, USC is a pro team, basically, in, in uh, Southern California. You know, so yeah. uh, I think he'll come. I think he'll be fine in terms of that. Dealing with the media, he's done it. You know, and I, I, I think I was wrong in my initial approach where I thought, you know what? Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen would give this team, this franchise and fan base a boost with the swagger, you know, but you know what? I don't know mm-hmm. if the franchise needs that now. I don't think they need that. I think they need a guy who's, who is all about football is, is just, like I said, even keeled and cool and calm and collected and knows how to win and knows how to play and you know he's got his flaws all these the, the you know all these quarterbacks have their flaws going into it but something about this guy I think he can be special and I think when you talk to a lot of scouts or or people who study players and study the draft I think they're all in on this guy you know and I, that, that says a lot I mean it, when was the last time you came away from a judge draft and you were just like the Jets got you know, we got our guy, that kind of thing. So uh, it's been a long time. Even with Leonard Williams, you know, he, he fell, Jamal Adams last year. But it, there's always been that, well, you know, did you get the best player in the draft? And the Jets have the potential to have the best quarterback in the draft. So I, I think it's, that's the positive you have to focus on and move on from there. Because we don't even know if he's going to start week one, week eight. Week 16, week 17, we don't know that. But this is the major building block around which you build your franchise. And you got him. And he's going to be here to stay for a few years. And you hope much more beyond that. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's such a good point. It's, you know, I, I brought it up before the draft, before we knew who the pick was going to be. 
and I heard other people say it. And, you know, once they had Darnold in the fold, once, once he's the top pick, of course you want them to have a great draft. But there's a party that sits back and goes, you know what? As long as he pans out, that's all that matters. If, if, if only one player in this class is great and he's the one, no one's going to care if none of the other guys work out. Because we see it time and again in this league, when you have a guy who is an, a legitimate upper echelon quarterback, you've always got a shot. You know, there's, right. there's, it, of course, it, there's no guarantees. But to go into every se- – I, you know, I, kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I almost can't help it. I mean, let's face it, no matter when Darnold starts this year, whether it's week 1, 6, 10, 15, whenever he starts, you know he's, he's in place for a couple of years to see if he can do it. And I'm already thinking to myself, how nice is it going to be leading up to next year's draft to not have to worry about the quarterback <laughs> position? And are That's we going right. to be in position to take one? And are we going to win too many games to get a quarterback now? The Jets can actually <laughs> go into next year's draft with quarterback – on the back of their minds. And that's, it's been a long time. You know, as you said, when was the last time we were this excited about a quarterback? Even when you took Mark Sanchez, like the fan in you, the eternal optimist, you, you convinced yourself that he could be the guy. But when you looked at it and went, well, the guy started like a handful of games. In right. His, you know, same school as Darnold, but that team was more loaded. You know, the, that was a team that you could say, you know, Mark Sanchez was quarterbacking a pro team against college teams. Um, whereas Darnold, USC's been good, but I would say the, the Sanchez teams were better. And he's got, you know, he's got more than twice as many starts, and he, and he looks like a much better player. You know, nobody, was, nobody leading into that draft, Mark Sanchez wasn't going to be you know, the consensus top quarterback in that draft. Matthew Stafford went before him and was viewed as better. But, um, right. but to get a guy like this this early, I think you absolutely nailed it. He, he's the key to the draft. And, you know, they, they got some guys in the later middle rounds um, that, that look, it, the Jets really went with a lot of small school guys, but a lot of them, if, if you look at them, if you look at where the other, where the prognosticators and the, 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 the forecasts and the mocks, a lot of these guys were sort of, you know, projected to go mm-hmm. a round or two ahead of where the Jets got them. Um, so so your, your thoughts on the, you know, before, before we let you go, um, what are your thoughts on the rest of the class? Um, any any specific players you have you want to chime in on? Well, you know, you, you look at the draft and the rest of the picks that the Jets made, and you know, like you said, there were small school guys, guys that we the you know the, the even the most knowledgeable fan might not have known a guy like Nathan Shepard, you know, from Fort Hayes State, the guy they took in the third round. Uh, or, you know, Trenton Cannon from Virginia State. I think what they did here was they, they got some pieces. They got some guys who could really help out. I think uh, <clears throat> in the fourth round by taking Chris Herndon out of Miami, they got a guy who can catch the ball and play tight end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you lost Austin Safarian Jenkins, who had a, a, an excellent, not an excellent, but he had a solid half of last season and then kind of faded. Uh, you want a consistent tight end who can catch and hopefully block. He says he's a great blocker. We'll see if that happens. But they have some other guys who, who could also block. You know, Eric Tomlinson is a solid piece. But here's a tight end who Sam Darnold really worked with right away and build a rapport with. I think that was an important pick. You know, let's not forget that this team still has Jordan Leggett as well. 
and we we don't know what Leggett can be. We know that in college he was a good pass-catching tight end, and maybe he's past the injuries, and now all of a sudden they have two guys who could could really be used in the passing game uh, in Leggett and uh, Herndon. Uh, as far as the third-round pick, Shepard, I mean, this, is, this guy, he's a great story, number one, and he's a big dude. He's 6'4", 315, and he's muscle. Like you see just like the combine workout tapes and, and yep. things like I that. I saw you, that. You it, just, was, it was yeah, I mean, and you see He's probably this, 7% this, body fat, that guy. Right, right, and, and he can move. And so you're like, all right, you know, let's see what this guy could do. And, and you have another piece on the defensive line in uh, Foley Fatakasi from UConn, a far Rockaway kid. He's six four three eighteen. So they just added two big bodies, two you know guys that that might be able to help against the run and help with the, the pass rush. We'll see about that because that still is is a big thing. Even though the Jets today re-signed David Bass, I mean he's not the answer to the pass rushing um, issues, but he'll help also. Um, you know I think those are two guys, and and the fact that Shepard is twenty five bother me as much. I mean it's not a conventional pick, but I think the guy, um, he had a good career in college and maybe not at the level, uh, you know, that we're used to seeing a third round pick come, but you know, a lot of, uh, again, go back to the, the guys who study these things. They, they, they kind of liked what they saw in this guy, what the potential. So we'll see. I think, I think Shepard and Fatakasi will help um, Herndon, obviously. Um, I, I love the cannon pick in the, the sixth round, the Jets' last pick, I think that's a guy who could solidify that return game because the Jets have needed somebody to return kicks and punts on a consistent basis and do a good job of it, you know, and we haven't seen that in a few yeah. years. And uh, this guy, he's got speed to burn. He's shifty. He's elusive. Uh, I think um, you, you can almost uh, see a little Leon Washington in him um, in terms of a guy who could <laughs> – you, you know, take take the ball maybe out of the backfield on a couple of plays. And, you know, in the best-case scenario, you could even look at a guy like Tariq Cohn uh, with Chicago and hope that, you know, maybe this is the type of, of uh, presence and, uh, you know, addition to the offense and special team that, uh, you know, Cannon can be to the Jets. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's a pick that will go kind of under the uh, the radar that could potentially be a really big pick because – you know, they sign guys in the off season to potentially be return guys and help, you know, Andre Roberts. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? This is the kid that could really, you know, you just you put him out there, he'll be the returner for as long as the NFL keeps returns in, in the game. We'll, we'll see how long that is. But, right, you know, I right. think he, he, he'll, he'll be a good piece. And, and I guess the other guy is Nickerson uh, from Tulane, the cornerback, who – Will help. Uh, I, I think in the in the slot, he'll help with in nickel. He'll back a Todd Ball said he'll back up uh, Buster Screen, and he could eventually take Buster Screen's job. He could be the guy that replaces him, and uh, you know we'll see. But I, I think um, just because the names might not be known, we'll see how it plays out on the field. And uh, you know these you know these guys could be valuable pieces that this team is around in the future. Yeah, I, I, the, a couple points you made that I couldn't agree more with. I actually, uh, you, you took the name Leon Washington right out of my mouth. He was kind of the guy that I thought of when I watched Cannon, and it's been a long time since the Jets had a guy 
with that type of explosive playmaking ability. Um, and like you said, there's there the Jets have over the last few years brought on a lot of guys to be return men, but you get the, especially on the punt return, you, it, you almost feel like the goal has just been let's get someone who's not going to fumble it. We're not even going to worry <laughs> about making a play. Um, whereas with this guy, he he has the potential to be a playmaker back there. And then, of course, Nickerson, who I, I spoke a little bit about earlier, and I, I feel like you know just getting the pulse of the fan base, whether it's through Twitter or Jet Nation, um, he seems to be a, everyone's favorite pick behind Darnold because I think people really want someone to step in and take that spot from Buster Screen. I don't know <laughs> that it happens this year. I, I think the Jets really like Buster Screen. I think he's he's been up and down with the Jets. Um, but when you look at the, the lack of depth at the position just league-wide, it allows guys like Buster Screen to stay in place. I think they like him enough that he will play out his contract. But uh, if Nickerson does come in and uh, and just light it up, there, I mean, the Jets could look to save some money and let him go. But again, they're, with the money they're going to have next year, they're not in a position where they need that money. Um, and I think they do like Buster Screen. But you know that point you made that Nickerson could be his eventual replacement. I think that's what the team and and the fans really um, are hoping for. But uh, I just want to say uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Dennis. Uh, you do a great job covering the team. And uh, for anyone, if you're not following Dennis on Twitter, you need to follow him. Fantastic taste in music to boot. So um, <laughs> give him a follow. And, uh, and hope to have you on again, again sometime, Dennis. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you just want to plug your Twitter or whatever you want to do, and we will let you get, be on your way. I appreciate you having me on, you know, anytime uh, there will be plenty to talk about as we uh, move forward. So, uh, you know, anytime uh, I'm on Twitter at DWAZ73, D-W-A-Z-73. And, uh, you know, I throw everything on there, uh, you know, for, for whatever I do for the AP. And uh, like you said, I'll, I'll occasionally throw some music stuff out there too. But uh, thanks for having me again. And uh, it's an exciting time. Everybody should be positive at this point. It's May 1st, you know, there's, there's plenty of practice to go before we even start seeing uh, preseason games. So, um, you know, be optimistic at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us, Dennis. You have a great night. You too. Thanks. Take care. Well, all right. Take care. Bye. All right. So that seems, see that, 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 and I didn't even, I didn't even get that out of Dennis. That, that should be the theme. That should be the feeling right now for Jets fans. Optimistic. Be happy. Be excited. I know it's not in our nature. I know we've had enough years of horrible quarterback play and just horrible all-around play to always be down and negative and mopey and we never catch a break and this sucks and that sucks. Listen, this is some good stuff that's going on right now. Team's heading in the right direction. Mike, Mike McCagnin, even, even for, for those who don't like Mike McCagnin, this is how the NFL works. Mike McCagnin, in the eyes of some people, was completely incompetent a couple weeks ago. Now the trade up to three gets him Sam Darnold. And some people who thought he was incompetent, now they think he's great. And if Sam Darnold is, if Sam Darnold goes on to be a great quarterback, Mike McCagnin is here for the next 10, 15 years. If Sam Darnold doesn't get it done, Mike McCagnin is gone in two or three years and he's a punchline. And that's, that's just how the NFL goes. It's results-based and your results are impacted more more by the quarterback position than any other position on the field. That's no big secret. All right. So, again, a huge thank you to Christian Dyer joining us for Dyer Needs. 
and uh, Dennis Wazak of the AP who covers the team. Uh, two guys who can talk Jets all day long. They know their stuff. Follow them on Twitter. Shoot them some questions. Both both really good guys. And I'm going to wrap this up here. We'll go over undrafted free agents next week. Um, Trenton Cannon. We're going to go back to our, our draft breakdown. We have two picks left. Sorry, one pick left. And then we'll talk a little bit about the, what the Jets did with their seventh rounder in a trade with the Colts. We'll touch on that very briefly. But Trenton Cannon, and really not not a whole lot to say because, as you just heard, Dennis Dennis did a nice job of of talking about him, and and I, I literally was uh, was about to, was thinking as Dennis was talking, I thought to myself, I'm going to ask him when he's done if he thinks Leon Washington is a fair comparison, and uh, before I even asked it, that was the name he threw out there, that was the comp, and I think Jets fans would be ecstatic. If if he turned out to be what Leon Washington was, because let's face it, before that guy got his leg snapped in half, Leon Washington was dynamic. That guy was phenomenal. The uh, he was the comp, the comp, com, not not traditional comp. He was the the pick that the Jets received from the Chiefs in return for Herman Edwards. Uh, for those of you who recall that, Herm went to Kansas City. KC gave the Jets a fourth rounder. The Jets used that fourth rounder on Leon Washington, who was a fan favorite. And hopefully uh, Trenton Cannon will be able to to replicate what Leon Washington was able to do in his time here. So Trenton Cannon, another small school guy, Virginia State, had a few career touchdowns as a return man, three three kick returns for touchdowns. Um, that alone is going to give him a shot to make the roster. So another another late round pick, but another guy who has a chance not only to make the team, but uh, but uh, to have an impact. And so then, seventh round, Jets don't make a pick. Why don't the Jets make a pick? They trade that pick, and this 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 is an under the radar one. This this didn't get a lot of talk when it happened. I've seen a couple of blurbs about it since it's happened. I think that's actually what I saw it called today, under the radar move. Um, and it really is. Uh, Henry Anderson, a defensive lineman from the Indianapolis Colts who was a third-round pick just a couple years ago, and the Colts trade him for a seventh-rounder. So now what do you, what, what's your initial reaction, your initial thought, when you're able to trade a seventh-round pick for a guy who was just taken in the third round a couple years ago? The automatic assumption is, well, that guy must suck. We got a guy this team didn't want, and uh, this is probably his last shot to stick in the NFL. Take a flyer on him. Not the case at all. Uh, he's battled some injuries, had a really missed a lot of time last year with a, is this thorax, trachea, something had a weird throat injury that could, could, it could impact him. He may not come back from it. Um, as soon as people would like, will he be the same player? We'll see. But when he was healthy, the guy was, he was a damn good player, three, four defensive end. And that's part of the reason too, the combination of him being injured and the Colts going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 set made him expendable. He's, if you look at, you know, uh, his, you look at his grades on PFF, you know, take them, take them for what they're worth. He was a guy who scored in the, you know, the low 80s. I think as a rookie, he's in the mid-80s, 85 or something like that. He was top three, I think, in the NFL for quarterback pressures by a 3-4 D lineman. Saw his production decre- decrease a little bit, but still played really well. So now Mike McCagney goes out and gets a guy who's been a very good player and may be able to log some serious playing time on this team, and you get that for a seventh rounder. 
I mean, listen, you know, we say it all the time, seventh rounders, they make the team 10% of the time, 15% of the time, whatever the number is, even if it's 20. Highly unlikely those guys stick. So when you can use that seventh rounder to go out and get a proven vet, even, you know, even just a guy who's shown he can play in the league, that's, that's a damn good move. And they, don't, they didn't just get a guy who's shown he can play in the league. They've gotten a guy, they, they got a guy who has shown that he can play at a high level. And if he pans out and returns to form and he becomes the player he was a couple of years ago in Indy, and, the, you know, he's entering the last year of his deal, this will be year four for him as a third-round pick, final year of his contract. If he plays well and the Jets re-sign him, you get yourself a starting caliber D lineman in exchange for a seventh-rounder. So that, that, that deal right there could turn out to be a coup. Absolutely, you know, great opportunity for him and a great opportunity for the Jets. And just before we go, touch on one last move that Dennis mentioned also. Jets re-signed David Bass, outside linebacker. And as Dennis said, I don't think anyone believes David Bass is the long-term answer as an edge rusher. However, David Bass played pretty good last year. Joe and I talked about it quite a bit. I tweeted out a few weeks ago, um, just kind of randomly said, hey, what's, you know, David Bass still sitting there. Why, why isn't this guy coming back in? Because uh, if you look at him, you know, you watch him on film, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll touch on the PFF stuff. But even without PFF, just watching the guy, me and Joe would comment on, and, and Kyle too, Kyle Smith as well, uh, you know, good friend of the show. He's commented on it. David Bass, he did a nice job holding up against the run. He's not a huge guy. He's not, you know, he's not a Jordan Jenkins type guy. But he held up well when, when plays came his way. He generated a lot of pressure for being, considering how few snaps he played. And uh, I think with three and a half sacks, so not a huge number, but his snap count wasn't very high. And considering what the Jets have at the edge, he was literally their best edge rusher last year, just in terms of how frequently he put pressure on the quarterback. Why he didn't play more, I have no idea. Maybe that changes this year, but... I, the number I saw, the number that I looked up with, uh, with PFF, if you looked at players who played at least 100 snaps, he was, uh, David Bass ranked ninth in the NFL in pass rush production, which is basically PFF looks at your, your pressures, your hurries, your knockdowns, your sacks. Basically, every, every time you affect the quarterback, they take that and divide it by your, the number of snaps you played. And he was right just over 10%, which if you look – League-wide, that's, that's a solid number. It's not easy getting the quarterback. So he was ninth in the NFL in pass rush production per PFF for players with over 100 snaps. He should have been on the field more, would have had the opportunity to do more. But, uh, again, he's not John Abraham, but this team needs somebody who can get the quarterback off his spot. And David Bass did it last year. Whether or not he continues to do it this year, we'll find out. And until he doesn't, he, he's a guy who needs to be on the field and pass um, in passing situations until they find somebody who can get consistent pressure. Take the guy who's been doing it best, even if it's a small sample size, keep running him out there. And if, if he keeps getting pressure, you keep playing him. If he fizzles out and starts looking more like the, the five or six year veteran who's played on five or six teams, then fine. Then you, you know, you move on. But based on how he played last year, Smart move bringing him back. So he's in the fold. The draft is wrapped up. And just 
to let you guys know, I know we've talked a lot of draft tonight. We've talked with a couple of, uh, couple of writers who cover this team with their thoughts on the draft. However, this Thursday, we're going to do a special episode of Jet Nation Radio. We're, we're uh, working with some schedules here. We're going to have Dan Hatman on. Uh, I think I teased this at the end of last show. So Dan Hatman, he runs the Scouting Academy. He is a former NFL scout. He worked for the Jets, so he's familiar with the organization, obviously. It's still very much involved in scouting as he teaches it to people who want to learn how to better evaluate players. And he also actively writes for Inside the Pylon. And Inside the Pylon, they do a great job. So Dan Hatman, former scout, former Jet scout, currently running a scouting academy and working with Inside the Pylon, he is going to join us Thursday. And he's going to talk draft. And he's a guy who uh, we should be able to get quite a lot of information out of. Um, He's going to have... Quite a, quite a bit to say, so by all means, if you're into this team and if you're into this draft and you like this class, Thursday's show is not one you're going to want to miss, so please do tune in. Thank you for tuning in this evening. It's been great having uh, hearing from a couple of old friends of the show who we haven't heard from in a while, and, uh, and a couple of great writers who were able to call in and give us some of their time. Much appreciate them, and much appreciate you guys. So, like we said at the top, folks, if you can't be optimistic right now, there might be something wrong with you, get checked out, or, uh, or soak it all up and enjoy the optimism, because there's plenty of reason for it right now. And thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night.